the truth. My name's Nathan, your most honest host. <laughs> My name's Andy, your most counterintuitive host. And I'm Pat, your no bullshit host. Wow. Oh, sorry, I was still using the radio voice. Gonna have to, gonna <laughs> oh, have to yeah. bleep that right away, huh? Oh. Com- coming in guns hot. What we should do is like set a uh, set a Patreon goal of like a hundred people or something, and as soon as we do, we release a whole episode where we only do radio voices the whole time. <laughs> nice. That would be perfect. Hey there. Well, so ladies and lads out there in Radio Land, how's your guys' and... weeks going? Good. 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 I'm. I'm trying to think. No, nothing. We keep on. Uh, <laughs> we keep on threatening off air to have like really short. Um, how was your week sections? And then we <laughs> keep on like making them go like ten minutes, fifteen well, minutes, twenty minutes. Because we're friends and we're chatty. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, things are good here. Uh, uh or I guess garden... friendly. <laughs> yes, we're friendly with one another. Uh, you are definitely some of my acquaintances. <laughs> of all the people in the world that I have met, you are two you are of them. S- yes. <laughs> um, True. Let's say let's say uh, things are good. Uh, garden stuff has been uh, going well. Mm, pictures um, in the, the doobly doo. Uh, sure, I can throw a couple of those in there. It's it's fun because it's like uh, jumping up. It's a little bit nicer every week. Ooh. Um, we, I think, all right, so obviously the big thing in my life right now is my stepson, Alex. Like, nothing makes you feel like you're adulting like your stepson getting married. And so nice. this uh, weekend, uh, we went to a wedding shower. They had a wedding shower that was open to everybody. Normally, wedding showers are for, uh, pointlessly gendered. And yes. so they had a wow. wedding shower for for any men, women, the whole shebang. We didn't play any games, which was pretty delightful. They did open just so many presents, um, but it's like one of those things where, wow, that like it's it really makes you proud. Uh, he's uh, Alex is a great guy, and uh, we could not be uh, happier about his fiance Morgan. Um, just yeah. Really, really good here. Good. Slancha. Did you say cilantro? Slancha. It's uh, cheers in, oh. I think Gaelic. What? <laughs> Why don't you just say cheers? Thank you. Cilantro back at you. <laughs> uh, so I guess speaking of like marriages, you know, my wedding is coming up by the time this episode comes out. Hey! Uh, it'd be right hey. around, the, uh, probably just a little bit before. Um, as of right now, time of recording, we're exactly one month from today. Hey. Nice. Um, very nice. So, yeah, very, very excited and uh, working on vows and stuff. But can I just circle back to the gifts thing, the presents thing? Yeah. I, so, um... First of all, yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit overwhelming, like, the amount of gifts and, like, the overall priciness of the gifts is way, is, like, just so much more than I'm used to. And it, here's the thing. How to say this? I don't, act, oh, I don't actually, um, like gifts. Really? Yeah. So, I don't, all right. 
So I, I, I <laughs> what don't like getting thing gifts. To say. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to tell you this, but that's not a thing. So so it's what you weird. have to do is you have to co- pretend it, to like gifts. Yeah, I because it's not about you; it's about the people who are like, "I love you." How do I express that I love you very much? Here, exactly. have this object, and and so, so you have to receive it and be like, "Oh, thanks! It's what I always wanted." Like that's being polite. In honor of the late great Norm Macdonald, here's a clip of what he has to say on the subject. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's a tough one. But it's good, you know, not to lie. But it's very, very hard, you know, not lying. Because you want people to like you, and you know what I mean? You want all kinds of reasons to lie. I thought of a way of not lying, and I'll, I'll share it with you if you like. You can tell the truth, word for word, absolutely true. But when you do it, you use a sarcastic accent. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. Like your wife goes, hey, I noticed at dinner uh, you were looking at my sister. You're, you're not attracted to my sister, are you? And then you go, oh, yes. I forgot to tell you, I'm attracted to your sister. <laughs> She's like, all right, Henry, never mind. Um, first of all, in no universe is lying to someone being polite. That is absolutely <laughs> no, rude. Wait, no, no, no. That's, you're just dead wrong Sorry, about that. Sorry. Um, I'm like 90... You can't just lie to people. Like, that's not okay. No, absolutely. So... <laughs> lying to people most of the time is being polite. You... Honey, does my yeah. ass look fat? Right. Like, any number of things. How do I look in this? Like, is it... Do you like this dress? Like, what do you think of this color? What, whatever. Yeah, baby, honest your answer. ass looks really and, fat. And I, Always again, honest And again, answer. I don't. And I don't mean to do this. I asked a bunch of like potentially gendered questions there. Like, it's not just being nice to women. It's being nice to your friends. It's being nice, whatever. Like, any awkward conversation you have where somebody thinks they're good at something and they're not, but you want to encourage them to do it so they do get better. Yeah, I absolutely think that you're going to bounce back from getting fired at your job into a much nicer job. Exactly. <laughs> like, lying is, like, as much a part of your daily life, or it it uh, potentially would have to Well, be. not mine. <laughs> not mine. I don't do that. Um, what I will do is I will be nice. I am always nice. Well, I guess I'm not always nice, <laughs> but, but like, I'll be nice about it and I will, I will stick with you. Like we're, we're, you're not going to, we're not going to have any beef when, after I give you that honest answer, but I'm going to give you the honest answer. I just don't function. I don't like, I don't, it's not, doesn't work for well, me. I'm sorry for um, all now of that your being family said, and friends. Back check, back check, back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. So look, we can't tell you what to find ethical or how to live your life. In the doobly-doo, you'll find an interesting article from the BBC that breaks down lying in a whole bunch of different ways. Additionally, there are lots of studies on this topic. There are several studies that suggest some minor lies can be harmless, but there are other studies that demonstrate it can undermine an entire relationship. There are studies that show that most people prefer to be told the truth, even if it's uncomfortable but also studies showing that most people lie to friends and family on a regular basis to spare their feelings. Not to mention that 
all of those studies are done in weird countries. Weird in this case meaning Western, educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic, so they only reflect a narrow range of cultures. For what it's worth, many of Andy's friends have told him unsolicited that his commitment to compassionate honesty is one of his most admirable traits. However, Andy is the one that wrote that sentence, so take it how you will. Ultimately, you just have to do what feels right to you. I think we can all agree, though, that lying about election fraud to stage a coup or lying about deadly viruses and causing hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths is not great. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. That being said, I do genuinely appreciate the generous spirit with which people give gifts, and I do like I like that. You know, I I, I like and appreciate that feeling of like, oh, someone loves me and wants to like help or whatever. Um, I ha- so. In our case, I feel pretty uncomfortable accepting, like, upgrading all of our kitchen appliances when the ones that we have are working perfectly fine and we could be taking all this money and donating it to someone who needs it. It makes me very uncomfortable. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Oh, it's the virtue signal! I don't need a better toaster or whatever. Well, so do like, that. I, I mean, don't. that potentially is an and option to be like, instead of a registry, we contacted this charity and, like, we're going to be giving to this charity you can give in our name or whatever. Like, that's an option. It is. And if you say that, that is... people will still bring you gifts. I mean, yeah. they, they might it... donate to your charity as well, yeah. but many, many people will still bring you the gifts. Yeah. They will, and mm-hmm. also, it's not just up to me. So, sure. um, I'm essentially kind of left to just kind of go along with it, which is fine, whatever. It's not, like, the end of the world. It just makes me a little uncomfortable. It makes me feel, um, it just makes me uncomfortably ex- examine my privilege. Um, which, so, but there's also, like... It's either, it's gifts are general. It's so hard to really give like a good like meaningful gift. Hmm. Some items are nice and I like them, but like stuff doesn't mean much to me. I I know I have quite a bit of stuff. I guess most of I don't actually think I really do. <laughs> Cl- clothes and books and movies. Those are like my the possess like. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Oh, it's the virtue signal. I don't know. We have stuff, and that's fine, and it makes... I, I you know, I, I, I love our coffee maker, and our new coffee grinder, and our new toaster oven. Like, I, I like these things. I really do. But, like, um, I don't know. It just... It just bugs me a little bit, and on the other hand, like, if someone tries to go for, like, a really, like, deep and thoughtful gift, like, I feel like that's just so hard to get it quite right. 
and and it's so I don't know. What I like, I like um, like if you if if you're, I guess it's still a gift, but it's a different kind of gift. Um, money, gift cards, and go do something like invite what I invite me to go hang out at the art museum for a couple hours. Mm. That's a that's a cool that's a good like if you want to you know do something for my birthday or something like that's a great thing I would love I love that sort of stuff. To those listening um, uh, to those listening at home, uh, the Cleveland Art Museum is one of the best in the United States uh, and is also free. So totally free. Not well, not a great gift. I guess there are like you there are like exhibits special that are, exhibits that you can yeah right, yeah or, paid, or events but so i guess it's not totally free but yeah the like most of the museum you just walk in and for as long as you want mini fact check you got no idea seriously the peak was in 2016 when business insider magazine named the cleveland museum of art the number two art museum in the nation but more recently Tripsavvy.com ranked at number 6 in 2019. Ranker.com ranked at number 4 in the same year. And USA Today ranked at number 7 in 2021. You should definitely come check it out. It's dope. Mini Fat Check. On that subject, did did anyone check out the um, Kane Park Arts Festival? Uh, it was two weeks ago, I believe. Mm, no oh it was it was rad um so i went i went with my mom of course anything i do socially yeah. is usually with my mom um she's such a sweetheart um but yeah we saw like there's all these booths and it's something that they do they try to do every year i'm not sure if they did it last year because of covid it probably got canceled but um like saw a bunch of really cool stuff um there was like this really intricate like multi kinds of wood uh carvings that this guy did he did like urns and little like vessels and stuff and it was really cool it was like inlaid wood um there was a girl whose paintings that i quite liked she had like a particular like picasso-esque kind of style just sort of like abstract but um based on like people and forms and like really weird proportions like a lot of the people had like really long hands um i can track her website down and put a link in the doobly-doo but yeah i didn't wind up buying anything but just like a really awesome experience to just like spend a couple hours walking through Kane Park, which is, like, ridiculously close to my house, and uh, all the art <clears> exhibits <throat> that were there. Yeah. I used to love going to the Arts Festival. Um, I haven't been in a few years. I don't know why. It's just don't have time. Well, last year, there was a good reason. True. Right. But... Well, the other cool thing about Kane Park is they have a really cool uh, concert venue mm-hmm. there. Sure. And uh, every once in a while, they've had... Um, I saw Sarah McLaughlin there once, and uh, they had uh, Morris Day in the Time. Uh, let me get a nickel bag. Fifteen bucks, little man. Put that sh- in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, oh. My jungle love, yeah. Oh, we, oh, we, oh. I think I want to know you, know ya. Yeah, what? What the hell are you singing? You don't know jungle love? 
That shit is the Mad Notes, written by God herself and handed down to the greatest band in the world. The motherfucking time. You mean the guys in that Prince movie? Yeah, Purple Rain. That shit was so 80s style. Well, they had they had Earth, Wind, and Fire. What like two years? Brian Setzer, I've seen there. My mom to see um mitch and mickey from the monkeys no mitch and mick and mickey <laughs> but i didn't which, go to which is awesome they're old go to mike earth, and Wind mickey and fire. <laughs> but i heard earth wind and fire from my back parking lot. Ah. exactly Park yeah. is like if you want to see the act, then you have to buy the ticket. If you want to hear the act, all you have to do is go hang out at Kane Park because it's this open air venue that you can't see the stage without a ticket, but you can absolutely hear the concert perfectly. Mm-hmm. And next week we're trying to go to the Asian. Uh, it's it's like a lamp. Yeah, the, at the zoo. Yes, they have all. Yeah, at the zoo. Yeah, we went. We went not last year, maybe it was two years ago, um, and it was really dope. And uh, you've got to go at night because, like, when it gets dark, unfortunately, it doesn't get dark until like pretty late now. But um, when it's dark, you get to see like all the colors and stuff, and it's like a higher contrast with all the lights and stuff. It's it was pretty sweet, and uh, we tried to go earlier this week, but we actually got the scheduling wrong. So we actually just wound up watching uh, Waking Life instead which is a pretty cool movie but we're gonna try and go like sometime before september uh yeah we go to the asian lantern festival pretty much every time they have it caitlin's mom is the zoo registrar meaning she's in charge of uh the basically the animal roster that's really cool. we should have her on the pod she's retiring very soon so she'll have the time <laughs> to go on a yeah. Pod. She, I, she has all sorts pod, of stories yeah. and stuff. Like yeah, it, it, I think it'd be pretty cool. Well, Hell yeah. Speaking of Andy un, being unwilling to uh, tell a fib to make his friends feel better, today we're talking about the uh, nature of truth. Hmm. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And. Uh, I didn't even think about that when I brought that up. (laughs) I was, I the whole time you're talking, I was like, "How did we not have Andy go? This is a perfect transition." It is a perfect transition. We missed (laughs) it. Oh well. (laughs) You want to just do it again Um, and have me go last? (laughs) No, no, no. No, 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 
No, no, no, no. No! We're in it now. So, anyway, uh, Andy, this was your baby. You were the one who recommended it. What do you want to talk well, about? Like, I know probably a lot of different stuff, but what when you, when you put out The Nature of Truth, what were you thinking? So, um... A couple things, I guess. Um, so on one hand, there's this question of um, epistemology, which is the the like, how do we know what we know? Um, and I, that's a fascinating question. That gets to, um, you know, I mean, there's just biochemistry and how the brain works. There's um, there's also like logic and philosophy kicked into that question. It's it's fascinating and draws in a lot of different um, things and and it's just an interesting thing to think about, you know. Um, but there's more to it as well because I think um, especially in today's day and age, we talk a lot about um, you know your personal truth and um people throw out this um well that's just your opinion that's my opinion you know so um and and uh, I, there's there's a lot of questions i think swirling in addition to to those kinds of conversations um there's a lot of concerns about uh news and information sources and how do we, as a society, um, decide that, you know, we know something to be true or not? Um, and, and is, you know, this kind of, kind of starts to get back to the whole issue of like opinion versus fact, but like, at what point do a collection of facts become an opinion with a bias? Um, something I think about all the time is my own personal bias and the lens that I see the world through because I'm constantly second guessing, you know, well, my first instinct, I see this, you know, some sort of event happen. Um, and well, what am I, what are the lenses that I'm taking this information in through? Uh, meaning who are the people reporting this story? What kind of interests do they have? Who do they work for and what kind of interests do they have? Um, what kind of interests do I have in reading this story? What are my preconceived notions going into it? So these are all a lot of the things that I think smaller conversations that swirl around this larger kind of uh, hurricane of the question of what is truth? Yeah, it's also a big subject of philosophy. Now, I'm not like a huge student of this particular branch of philosophy, but there's like theories of knowledge. There's like um, a lot of debate on like what is truth? Like what is what, what does that mean when we say truth? Um, and like, how do you go about categorizing it? Like, is it based on propositions is it based on sentences is it based on like corresponding to the world like if i say something and then we go and check the facts to it like does it line up to the facts so that's truth 
Um, another thing I was interested in in is Andy like uh, this is probably going to be a very easy question for you, but like, do you, when when you're receiving information, like, are there different sources of information that you more readily accept that information as true? And if that's so, is that necessarily good? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, so I does that uh, that's that's definitely some more good. Uh, topics in, involved here nathan does that give you some idea of kind of is there anything stand out there that you'd like to try and dig into first oh no i think uh, i am i think that gives the audience a good idea of where we're heading uh where do we think would be a good jumping off <laughs> i mean what is true what is truth all right one two three so, go uh yeah, I mean, all right. So if we're talking about what what is what is truth and what does it mean for for something to be true? I mean, there's there are multiple answers to that question. There are um there are different ways that something can be true. Sure. Hmm. So I, I think that's fair. One of the like the obvious way, but maybe possibly the hardest to exactly pin down in terms of like how do you pass this test is something that is um factual that is uh i guess 100 percent like it uh adheres to reality i guess i'm not really sure because if if I say the ball is red, you can look at the ball and the ball right. is clearly but red. then, like it's not green or blue. Yes, so that's the kind. Of, that's like the. It seems like a softball answer to this, right? To the question of what is true. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, if we peel back the red onion for a second, um, so to speak. <laughs> I believe it was a ball. It wasn't an onion. Uh, onions but are ball we can shaped. Peel that back too. Onions are ball shaped. <laughs> At any rate, so if we peel, if, if we like, kind of peel that back a little bit further, um, what does red mean? Well, red is really just our brain's interpretations of certain uh, light pigments bouncing off of our retinas. Like, it's not really a thing. Red doesn't actually exist. It's it's what we've called, uh, like, a certain... So, right. so the so ball doesn't wavelength have, a, of light. like, a property of redness, exactly. Okay, the... so here's the thing about truth, and I think this might be, at least for me, when you said truth can mean a few different things. I think truth, in some respects, is subjective. For example, if you say the ball is red, not everybody interprets color in the same way. Not everybody's eyes work the same way. And so that statement is can probably be seen from a number of different uh, perspectives. However, if you say to the majority of people, that ball appears to be the color red, that's objectively truth. Well, hmm. assuming that, assuming that it is true, you know, like assuming that you checked with a bunch of people and they're like, "Yep, that's red." Okay, that's but red, your eyes are working the same way as mine. But 
throwing in that appears to be appears to whom to you now it's subjective to the no to the majority of people to, to each individual right observer same... right right so those are subjective truths and so this is like that that difference right that's their that is their well, kind of, but the way i the way i frame that was not it's not subjective it's objective because you can it started out you can objective. go around to the the majority of people's eyes do tend to work the same way and so you could do a survey of most people like even even if we're talking about like a supernatural thing where you could like check in with everybody on earth and say like like what color do you think that ball is like once you have that data you can objectively say the majority of people uh to the majority of people this ball appears to be the color red and that is an objective so statement we're even getting into like different theories of knowledge now because like what do you trust more do you trust your own observations that you make do you trust what observations other people make and they report back to you like are we taking this democratically <laughs> like it's what is true is that the most people agree that it's true or is it like what you find in a peer-reviewed scientific journal like how do you take all of these different ideas of what truth is and like get them to work together right mm -hmm. well it's super hard and and you're getting into a big part of the issue here that we and and to rip this band-aid off um this is a problem that we're facing today when millions and millions of people are fed a you know a stream of information that as that they are told is true and they believe to be true and to them it right. is true it is not and ranges from biased to outright well, lies and right. that's the catch is like it is perfectly true to them but their subjective truth is directly at odds with the objective reality but that doesn't make it any less true to them which is why when so many people you know when the rest of us react the way that we do like jaws on the floor what the hell is wrong with you what we're telling them <laughs> or what we're trying to tell them is that their whole perception of like reality their truth is false and that is a not only is that a tough sell but it usually results in that person digging their heels in deeper because right. they are forced to defend their mm. their truth well i think sometimes it's just i think and like i i like that you left it open because i think like immediately from our perspective, I want to go, well, Fox News, Newsmax, like one American news network, or like whatever. But we're also living in a world where several countries have state run media and that's the only news you're ever going to get. And you can believe it or not, but you don't have an alternative. Um, so there there are a number of different ways that this is uh, effective, but. I would say like those people who are going to dig in 
you have objective truth and then you have personal truth. And I'm fine with both of those, except for the only thing that is useful to us as a society is objective truth. Um, from a philo philosophical standpoint, your subjective truth might be incredibly helpful. And maybe your subjective truth can help like uh, lead someone to a better life or a uh, more stable mental state or whatever. But the only thing that's really helpful to us as a society is objective truth. And people who refuse to believe in that, they, I, I, that's that's our problem. That's, well, that's what we're dealing with I, now. I think that... Yeah, it is very much part of the problem, but I think a large part of why that is such a problem is because what is objective truth has been muddied a lot. And that has, um, it, it, in the sense that so much of our um, news cover, we don't, our news coverage is almost 0% just reporting on the events the old walter cronkite style here's what happened um that just isn't like, i guess but walter cronkite walter cronkite threw in his opinion on stuff i don't i didn't really watch him uh, being that i wasn't born <laughs> fair enough. I'm, but um you know fair enough but but my point is that like um where we are, and, and it has been a steadily crescendoing problem of um, people don't get, like, the, the information. They start at the opinions, at the editorials, and at the, you know, the MSNBCs and CNNs or Fox News and ONEs or whatever they are over there. I don't actually care what the right watches anymore. But... Um, like my point, uh, so, um, the spin is embedded in the news in a, mm -hmm. like up to the eyeballs. Here, here's one of the most annoying things to me. So like when you're presenting the, the facts about a news story is you pepper in all of these objectives and like... Maddow and Carlson both equally do this, and it both equally drives me nuts. But, like, um, here's what the radical liberal media is telling people. Here's what the terrorist ISIS is do or, like, you know, the terrorist Antifa it's, is doing. It's like, rage porn. Well, and yeah, and like they pepper I, like, in all of these objectives to already shape the way that you're formulating this in your mind before you, you've even heard the I, first fact. Well, and if, if I can just say real quick, they're not the same. Tucker Carlson, they are not the same. In fact, no, the this is very objectively true. The thing that okay. annoys me so much about Rachel Maddow and the reason I can't watch her is because every every goddamn episode is a uh, is a lecture is a, a college class where she throws in every source she sh shows you every detail that she's uh, telling you about and it makes her show go incredibly slowly and she's it's not the same it's the opposite in fact where she and I, I don't think it's unfair to say that she puts in her opinion because it's an opinion show but when she gives you her opinions she lets you know, this is why I have this opinion. 
here are these facts. Here's where we found them. Here's where you get that source. Well, and that but is she's new. still adjective peppers, though. She'll tell you what the cowardly Republican caucus is doing. Yeah, and I or, think that's fair. I think, I think that's um, fair. But she, she makes sure that you know that the place where what she's saying is coming from is factual and reality-based, which is not something you get from the Tucker Carlson's. So I... I'm not trying to say that those shows are the same. Sure. No. I wonder. I, I wonder uh, if um, the how much of that is basically just due to that over the last four years, like the left has really not had to try too hard to get like that outraged about anything, whereas like the right has. I mean. They didn't have to, but they decided to just start making stuff up to get outraged about. And there's never been the same appetite on the left for that type of entertainment as there is on the right. And I don't pretend to know why. I'm not saying why, but, like, we can't keep... We don't have a, a Rush Limbaugh. We don't have these, like, m these networks. Even MSNBC operates completely differently than the what like four or five different networks that we named off on the right there is there's a market for it that you just don't have on the left and who knows why that is mini fact check this is a very difficult thing to measure there are a few sites out there that can help you sort out the news and how it's covered by the various outlets adfontis media all sides and ground news are some of the best having said that it's a good rule just to be careful and verify the story through multiple sources, especially if it seems too good to be true or wildly outlandish. Deal? Mini fact check. I want to yeah. get off the subject of right versus yeah, left real quick. Yeah, I don't want to go much further um, down that rabbit hole. But the point but, here is that all of the news that we get is wrapped up in spin. It's, you have, like, the people who go... You, you have to dig, you have to know, like, certain sources that are less prone to spin. But even then, that's what you're hoping for, is less prone to spin. It, there There's, you know, and, and we'll put the link in the doobly-doo, there's that really, really good media bias chart. And I think that that is, I, I think that that's just really a good standard, a good go-to. Um, they, they even are pretty clear about what their methods are and how they determine it. So you can add your own grain of salt to their process as well. <laughs> so I know you want to move yeah. on, but also you just said some stuff that I need to like respond to. Um, again, I want to say it's it's simply not the same on both sides. And what you what you have a lot of the time is you have uh, definitely a lot of spin on a lot of media. And a lot of that is on right-wing media. I'm not saying it doesn't also exist in left-wing media, but it is a different monster. And what ends up happening is a lot of people on the right end up attributing neutral news as being left-leaning because it is not right-leaning. So that's why you hear conservatives talk about left-leaning NPR, which is as damn near middle of the road as you can possibly get the one exception being that they can never get conservative guests to come on because they don't want to be interviewed for the most part 
So they have a little bit of a cudgel for for uh, like conservative BS. Like I would say that there there is a liberal bias in that they don't go along with BS. I would, right. Like, but but that's not. <laughs> not going along with bullshit isn't a liberal thing. That should not be like that should not fall on one side or the right. Other. And again, that goes it, back to the episode or to the real topic here, which is like, how do you cut through the that stuff, the partisanships and spins and stuff, and get to an objective truth about something? You know, I mean, when it comes to details about a story, okay, but um. Mm-hmm. What we what we really are, are want to focus on today, we can talk about right versus left another time. The point was something that they both do, and it, whether or not it's equal is irrelevant. It's about all of the news that people get being so tied up with all of this spinnery, and how do you cut through that? You've got to be able to understand... <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we talk about, I, like, critical thinking skills, but I think a lot of people don't really even know what that means. They usually just yeah, use exactly that where I as, go. like, a placeholder for agreeing with me. Right. I I do want to say I don't agree with some of the things you just said, but I oh think my for God. the sake of our, <laughs> <laughs> I think for the sake of our uh, conversation, I'm going – like, we're, we're just going to roll with it. So if I can have the floor for a second. Absolutely. So the – the critical thinking that I was taught is like who, what, where, when, and why. Like when when you're looking at a source of information, whatever it is, if it's a news release, if it's a White House press briefing, you're always looking at like who is telling you this, what would they possibly have to gain by telling you this, could they be lying, would they have a, an incentive to deceive you or to flavor the truth to their liking um you know you have to be always skeptical of people's motives and people's bias whenever they're presenting your you information and one of my weaknesses in this is that certain types of information i will start to trust that source maybe more than i should um, like you, you don't have the same level of critical thinking for people that you like versus people that you don't like. And I'll give you an example. So like if you heard the same exact story about, uh, immigration is going up, but you received that story from, uh, MSNBC versus you received that story from Fox, like, I'm going to look really narrowly at the story that came from Fox and try and pick apart all the little details. But what I'm missing is that I should be trying to pick apart the same story from MSNBC. Yeah, uh, confirmation bias you're talking about. Where if when you come across something that is more in line with your kind of, I guess, preconceived notions. I don't like to use that term too much because it, it sounds like demeaning i think sometimes and it doesn't Mm -hmm. we all just have these like biases that we view the world through there's no way around it it is just who you are is how you view the world through so um you know um i am more likely to 
read a headline and the first couple paragraphs and then maybe share a story that is that jives that I that that I that I'm that I find easy to believe because it fits my the way I see the world. Right. And from a historical perspective, historians will look at a source and say, like, well, was this a first hand account mm -hmm. or was this a second hand or third hand account? of the events that happened and then they treat those sources differently and in like journalism which we are i i like to think of us as being at least adjacent to journalism <laughs> like we should be using that same level of rigor of like was this person actually there on the scene and watched the event unfold or are we getting this like second third fourth fifth hand right and i think one of the things when i have my arguments on Facebook um, that I look for is I always look for does this seem like is this too good to be true or like does this seem too rough or whatever like if, if something seems like it will it is too in my wheelhouse or like it makes the people that I don't like look really really bad or the people that I do like look really really good I dig into that article like crazy and what I'm looking for are sources and a hyperlinks and like according to this source blah 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 like because i'm not i know for a fact i'm not going to be able to use that first article that i found i'm gonna have to find out where they got their information from and if i can't verify it i don't use it same thing same thing when i'm trying to fill in the doobly-doo for this show if i'm trying to confirm one of something that we've said that we just assumed was right if i can't find based in the sourcing that I found. And like, granted, it de kind of depends on what we're talking about. If we're talking about a Ben and Jerry's flavor, I kind of don't care. But if we're talking about something having to do with some import, I will make sure that the source that I find is uh, like is absolutely um, impeachable, bulletproof. And, or I'll put in several different sources saying like, this says this, this says this. And those fact checks, I've talked to you guys about it off air before. What I love with a fact check is black or white. I love it when a fact check is like, either we were right on this or we're wrong on this. Gray areas drive me nuts because I like have to do more and more and more research until I understand all of the gray area to be able to fill it in. You know, um, talking about like having a black and white fact check versus a gray fact check. I mean, I kind of live in, in like the gray area personally. That's where I feel more comfortable. Um, and I've talked about this on, on other episodes. I feel very uncomfortable with certainty. Um, and I don't know if that's cause I'm like a quarter Vulcan or something, but, um, like if Logical. it seems to me that I guess from an epistemological standpoint, like, we pro there's probably nothing that we should be able to absolutely know 100% sure that we know it. Like it doesn't, I don't, how, how would I know that I know it for sure? Um, and so this kind of leads me to a sort of, I guess, tangential topic, um, rather than, uh, uh, um, uh, objective truth and subjective truth, uh, relativism versus absolutism so and and just to rip the band-aid off or well what those are absolutism is like that there are like universal truths and relativism is that 
everything is, is, is relative. Everything's subjective. There is no fixed certain truth. And we can just rip the Band-Aid right off of the relativism paradox that <laughs> to say that there are no universal truths is itself a universal truth. So it just isn't possible. <laughs> right. But <laughs> that's a that's a cute right. little contradiction. But I think, you know, then the argument becomes, well, but you can kind of get like really close there, right? Like is that the only universal truth? Maybe. No. So I would say that you you rely every day on that the person who put your car engine together knew how internal combustion works like you you rely on that your doctor knows not to mix two medications together that will kill you like um you're and and yet you're still like walking around like you're not nervous all the time that uh you know that gravity is just going to stop applying so when you say that like you don't believe anything absolutely you'll still take what you can get in order to function right yeah i think there's like a a a certain like a close enough to confident well and those those examples were interesting because like hundreds of thousands of people die every year in car accidents and tens of thousands of people die every year due to medical malpractice and so just because we don't think about it doesn't mean it's not there but i think that word functional that you used is perfect because we sort of fool ourselves into thinking well close enough whereas something like gravity that's that's a constant it's not to say our planet couldn't you know move further away from the sun or i no never mind that's dumb that's not the way gravity yeah. works but but i think uh, even with even with the issue of gravity ultimately i mean to a certain extent we have observed it happening consistently for a very long time and so we have a reasonable level of confidence to expect it to continue happening that same way but right but Hmm. like any physicist any mathematician if you press them on it will say well but (laughs) like it could just not for one reason or another. Like it, it's not, it's not guaranteed. It's not 100%. It is so damn close, but right. But I think the interesting nugget to pull out of this is there are, (laughs) there are so many things that we take for granted because we have to, to live a functional life. And so, it's not it's not just the doctor it's not just that your engine is going to work or that the people who prepared your food didn't drop poison in it or whatever the thing is it's it's everything and so i think you can extrapolate that out to uh, have to do with i think relative relativism is incredible when it comes to philosophical topics and i i definitely use it myself but in my day-to-day life, I like objectivism. I like to know, I like to focus on the things that I can actually uh, be sure of. Well, we've also found objectivism to be literally wrong in physics. So if you are 
like trying to map the world according to like a universal set of coordinates like you're trying to map motion according to a universal set of coordinates it's wrong relativism is actually what is correct so the speed of objects based on observers is the best information that you're going to get like relative to your frame of reference like for example the speed of light is the same no matter what observer is observing it it's still the same even if you're going 99.9 percent the speed of light an object that's moving the speed of light is still the speed of light to you from any direction so the interesting thing about this is like if you had a car and you were driving the speed of light and you flipped on the headlights what happens and the answer is that the headlights would move the speed of light away from you so double the speed of light relative to a fixed point um it would still just be c they would they would oh, both okay. be c so it basically is like you they don't you don't actually you can't like actually see anything ahead of you because from the lights um relative to your position it would still be moving c does that not make sense so the car is moving at the speed of light. Yeah. And you and, flip on and the, the headlights. headlights are moving at the speed of light. So are but the headlights are moving at the speed of light relative to the car that is also moving at the speed of light. Yeah, but you wouldn't say that So it's, the headlights are moving, moving double the speed of light. No. It's still just moving C. Back check. Back check. Back check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Here goes. If a car traveling at the speed of light turns its headlights on, what happens? Well, right off the bat, we're going to throw a big old wet blanket on this here party. Objects with mass cannot travel at the speed of light. So this whole question is firmly hypothetical and there's no answer. So instead, let's consider what happens for a car traveling really, 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 really close to the speed of light as close as possible without actually being the speed of light. As it flips on its headlights, at that exact instant, the light travels forward from the car at C, C being the speed of light constant. As the car travels, it continues projecting light forward, effectively lighting its own way. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. Um... But yeah, I mean, the truth is only uh, true from a relativistic point of view in physics, um, according to Einstein. And we've found a lot of Einstein's predictions to have come true. Well, according to Obi-Wan Kenobi, what he told Luke was true from a certain point of view. Mm, true. So... But it was actually a lie. We know that. And he thought it was a helpful white lie. But lo and behold, it ended up screwing Luke over as all lies do. Well, and it was also a retcon this our, this... because it was something that George Lucas like wrote <laughs> into the second movie that wasn't necessarily present in the first one. 
this is a really terrible podcast that we do here. Back to um, the truth. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> it's it's relatively true that uh, we do a terrible podcast. But I'm I'm starting to doubt the existence of objective truth, and the reason is because physics seems to line up with this relativistic point of view. Personally, I. I mean, I, I lean sort of towards the relativism, but I think, you know, it's worth saying that it's not an, a one or the other choice, right? This is basically a, a, a sliding scale, a, a gradient. Right. So um, I think it's fair to say that um, in general, like broadly speaking, we all understand that there are... So, uh, you know what? Let me use this. Um, Sam Harris, I've, I've brought him up a number of times. He's got a book out there called uh, The Moral Landscape. Um, really excellent book. What he lays out in this book is a essentially a, a visual representation of, of pluralism. When I think about questions of right and wrong and good and evil in, in universal terms, I think in terms of a moral landscape where the peaks correspond to the heights of human happiness and the valleys correspond to the lowest depths of misery. When you ask the question, how can we move upwards on this landscape, both personally and collectively, clearly there are right and wrong answers to that question. I think we all agree, like, the the KKK is morally correct. Not in America we don't. Uh, yeah. Well, what I would like to get into a little bit today is the different philosophical theories of truth. Um, there's the correspondence theory, the coherence theory, and pragmatic theory. And um, this is stuff that I basically just read about today. But um, I'm sure that there are people who've studied it for many years, but I'm going to try to give like the roughshod overview. So correspondence is mostly what we've been talking about. Correspondence is if I make a statement that you can go out into the world and check uh, to see if that statement corresponds to uh, the facts of the world, and then you would call that statement true. Um, kind of like, you guys know the saying, it if one person says that it's raining and another person says it's not raining, the news person, the journalist's job is not to... Uh, Cover both sides, Cover both but to sides, look out, but the, to window. Look out to the window. Exactly. Um, that's the correspondence theory of truth. The coherence theory of truth has more to do with like um, uh, mathematical beauty, um, so and internal consistency. So you would say that something is true if it doesn't contradict itself, if it matches the math that we have for it. Um, so like, for example, if I throw a ball and I predict that it's going to be a parabola, um, if I take a high-speed camera and I map out all the points, you would say that that theory of that it's going to fall in a parabola is coherent if it lines up with the math and the formulae that we have made to correspond to the laws of physics as we know it. 
So that's coherence. Uh, and or maybe a better example would be all of those like proofs that you did in school that you were like, why are we doing this? And like, because it's the only thing in the universe that's definitely true. Right. Right. And even those are based on predicates. So you have to take, you do uh, have some axioms. Yeah, 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 for sure. Certain, certain axioms to be true. And then you say like, well, if that's true, then we can make inferences upon it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a it, yeah, a proof is base is one big if then statement. Right. And then um the pragmatic theory is really interesting because um it is more based on like something is true if it is useful. If something <laughs> is not useful, then we throw it away. Um all right, fine, bye. Um, there is a, uh, a philosopher, a philosopher called Pierce who, um, held the view that truth is the end of inquiry or, uh, truth is satisfactory to believe. Um, and so like, if there is a a statement and we want to evaluate the truth value of it, we're going to evaluate it based on how much it helps or hinders the people who hold that statement as true. <laughs> nice. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, man. They're apparently not done yet outside. Yikes. Anyway... Yeah, that is weird. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I it kind of it, it kind of makes sense. It's actually fairly close to the Sam Harris model, um, which I kind of misstated a little bit there. It's not so much like um, what people agree on, but it's about it has to do with how much like harm and 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 hurt, or rather harm and help, like how much it harms and how much it helps people and stuff like that. But um, anyway. So that does kind of sound like that pragmatism model to me. Right. Um, that is interesting. Um, but also, I mean, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I think, personally, I I kind of feel like as soon as you're comfortable with calling something true is when problems start. So, like, as far as I'm concerned the most pragmatic, the most practical way to approach anything and everything is to, you don't have to like distrust everything, but, but you have to be doubtful of everything. Um, as soon as you are, or I should say I, as soon as I am certain of something, uh, even if it, I think that it's, you know, axiomatic or by definition somehow, then I'm probably not thinking critically about whatever it is anymore. If I'm confident, if I'm sure Hmm. that I'm right. If as long as there's doubt, as long as I'm like, well, but I could be wrong because there's this. As long as those thoughts 
are still floating, then I am comfortable. If that makes sense. Right. Well, so how would you respond to the statement that, like, you are you? What is me? Like an, like an, an identity. Like a, a... Something that is, like, this thing equals this thing. Like, just confirmation of the the terms that we're using that's called an identity in logic yeah like like the identity property like a equals a yeah a equals a but i'm i'm saying particularly about you that you andy are andy how do you feel about that is is that something that goes into certainty that you begin to feel uncomfortable about because you're too certain i don't know what that even means I'm definitely not certain about that. Am I me? No, I I am not sure of that because I don't know what me is. I don't know mm. the terms. I like they're poorly defined. Yeah. You know, and like so, uh, one of my good good friends, uh, he'll, he'll be uh, in my, in my wedding party actually. Ben, um, he and I have spent many 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 a night uh, up very late. Uh, just talking about this kind of um and he always gets really frustrated with me because i like i just refuse to commit about anything yeah i just won't i will get (laughs) down to like i think that it is unreasonable to act as though this is not true but it still might not be Right. I, I kind of feel the same way as you. Like, I don't know how, like, I am me or what was was the phrase that you used, Pat? You are you. You are you. See, I think for me, I would like, that would be really fast for me to deal with. I'd be like, I don't know. Can't find out. Anyway, (laughs) if I'm I'm, like, from there. Anyway, what are we having for dinner? Right. Well, I think like, you have to continue on in like using one of two universes then and i choose to continue on as if i am me right well i'm you know, like, i'm I, pretty certain that i'm me just based on the the idea that identity is true in any logically consistent system like andy was saying before that a equals a or b equals b so right me being me like maybe we'll mess up what the terms of that really means like maybe i'm not the person that i imagined that i was but i'm still me you know what i'm saying like even if there's another person running around named patrick that i am an imitation of well i am still me and this brings me back or are you maybe just a simulation of you well, that's possible. <laughs> but th- yeah. Right. Well, this brings me back to <laughs> our conversation on free will. This brings me back to the conversation that we had on free will in a different episode in terms of we kind of talked about if everything is determined ahead of time, if nothing you do is actually your choice, you're essentially an automaton at that point. Maybe you realize it and maybe you don't, but that that is kind of what we're talking about. Like if if you can't control those uh, those decisions, if if you don't have any control over what your actions are moving forward, 
what what's the point like at that point i like i would also say i am me because i'm not interested in continuing down the other path the other path is too depressing to even think about so i'm going to stick with i am me because it's the only reasonable uh it's the only reasonable conclusion to come to where you could move forward with any sort of uh I, I don't know, like any sort of satisfactory well, answer. I, so I think like kind of what you're saying is like if you aren't you, if if you're a simulation of you, right, like in the Matrix or something, what, what right. can you do about it anyway? Well, you would also break your, your logical system. Like you can't, you can't keep a consistent logical system that's based on A doesn't equal A. What, like what – what postulates would you possibly make after that? You can't reason anything after A doesn't equal A. It's just inherently right. contradictory. Like, And I would just say, at that point, it doesn't matter. Like, at that point, like, wh- why are we even well, bothering with the exercise after that? But, I mean, what does it mean to say... I don't know. That's such a weird question. It's a, Are you you? I don't know. I mean, it's a... <laughs> because because here's the thing it's very telling that your answer is <laughs> is not yes <laughs> that's it pat pat broke the pot i don't uh, there um so when you say that are are you you you're using two different yous really like those aren't you're not actually saying a equals a you're saying is is the person that i'm talk talking to himself Is the identitative in what property way? true of you? But like, you're you're either asking, just do I exist, or you're asking free will. Are you what you think you are? And the answer to both of those is I don't know. But the answer to do I exist is I don't really know, but I like this is what the chemicals that make up this like what like I don't I, feel <laughs> I have like nothing else to do that exists like I can't it should help be it. more simple than you're making it what I'm asking is is Andy the same as Andy <laughs> I don't think you made that no I think no! that's exactly what you what asked is Andy. For. Does Andy represent, like, all Andys? Does Andy represent certain personality traits? Or, like, what is Andy? But it should be it should be very simple to answer that, like, is one thing the exact same as itself? Well, life isn't simple. Well, and again, for me, there's only one way to move forward. Like, like <laughs> there's, two answers, there's two answers to those questions, yeah. and you can only yeah. answer one of them, or you have to Listen, say, fuck if it. something seems simple, you're missing something. Okay. Oh, no, it's incredibly complicated. It's that simple. To the point <laughs> where it's incredibly complicated yeah. to the point where it doesn't make sense to even delve into it. Right. I have, I no, I have no interest in the going down the other path, because if I do... It's it, like I'm basically arguing against my own uh, self-efficacy. I mean, I'm I'm arguing against me as a ultimately. Person. I guess what I would say is like, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Let me do this. Let me go. Let me take it here. Um, 
Find out if you're you in season two of Loki. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you guys would have a hard time with symbolic logic. Uh, I'm very good at symbolic logic. It's, But the difference is when it's on paper, when it's mathematical, it's, di- it's different than when it's a person or whatever it is that I might be or might not be. Uh, <laughs> like... Um, we're t- when you add, when you take like a, a living conscious, somewhat intelligent being, now you're talking about a different entity than when you're talking about like a, a an equation, a, a, an expression, a mathematical expression that can be, that is precise. You have to, hmm. like, it's a clearly defined thing in symbolic logic, in mathematics, but in philosophy, you don't have the benefit of having that, that you know, when you say when A equals A, and you want to just translate it to does Andy equal Andy, but Andy is not nearly as simple and clearly defined as A. That's, I mean, that just doesn't mm. work. No, but but the, the bag that Andy is <laughs> incorporated in is. If you it know, actually like, exists. You, all, all of you... Yeah, all of you is encompassed in some whole thing. And so, is the whole Andy the whole Andy? Well, it's it's basically asking what your name is, because, like, the thing that we're going to call A, if that's not actually A, it's B, then let's just but, call it B uh, instead. Nathan... It's, it's, it's asking if this name that we're labeling this as is, is accurate. No. So, all right, here, if that's the case... First of all, Nathan... No, I am much more than a, ba- a sack of meat here. I am so much more than that. I, personality, right? I have, um, right, no, like no, I'm, no. Saying, I'm saying, it's I'm saying not your, easy your to personal- define me. Yeah, your personality is in that sack. Uh, your scent, your stink is in that sack. Uh, your All of your thoughts and feelings and memories are in that sack. There's some sack that contains all well, of you. Is, is that where those things are contained? How do you how do sure. you know that? Well, it's it's a metaphorical sack. So you're you're talking about set theory, and set theory is pretty interesting. Yes, I have studied it <laughs> for sure, and I know what you're talking about, definitely. <laughs> but for the listeners, maybe. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I want to give some other people a chance to talk. Uh, Pat, why don't you tell everybody what set theory is? Um. So set theory is basically like as opposed to forms where like everything corresponds to uh, like an ideal version of it. Um, like all teapots are based on like an ideal teapot. But in, in opposition to that is set theory where what makes teapots teapots as opposed to being like, you know, uh, teaspoons is because all teapots fit into the category of teapots so yeah there's like this is sort of a an alternative to the platonic forms yeah it's it's what gives I... things categories it's it's okay. how um like attributes arise out of something like if i say like all all tables are made of wood like um you know they might encompass tableness, but they're not all necessarily 
made out of wood but all wood tables are made of wood so they fit into the set of things that are made of wood or the things that are made of uh, things that are tables yeah 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 um so i for a minute i thought <laughs> i thought you were talking about a different kind of set theory which is a mathematical branch it's like a graduate level study um involving groups and rings and sets and a very 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 logic and uh like symbolic logic based kind of stuff um which would fit into this conversation which is why i thought that's what you were referring to but it was like I don't know where you're going to go with this because that's maybe not I'm, easy maybe to I'm talk about a on a podcast. Of, maybe I'm doing a bad job of describing set <laughs> No, no, no. Set, no you're... Can, you, can you describe set theory better? What? No, no, no. You're fine. I just said that when you first brought up set theory, I thought that you were referring to something different. Um, yeah, can you tell me more about, about that thing? You <laughs> What? You want me to talk more about ma the mathematical set theory? Yeah, mathematical set theory, please. Sure. So I'll do my best um, to do this without like visual representations. But set theory is a branch of mathematics where you deal with a lot of abstract things. So you might form a set of, say, even integers, and that set might be might have might might hold like the the addition. Um, operation and it might include uh the commutative property and you can just establish that as like a set um and there's there's groups and there's rings these different kind of like levels of this of this stuff but basically it's a way of um manipulating uh numbers number theory as well, but it also has a big part in um george Cantor's infinities um and the the cardinality of infinity which just briefly because this is one of my favorite things um and i'm just taking this in a tangent um there's different infinities like yeah like countable infinity and the the yeah like if you think infinity. about um the the integers negative five negative 287 zero five thousand two hundred and sixty two like just integers that is an infinite set of numbers there are more rational numbers meaning fractions between zero and one than there are integers it's a different level of infinity it's a whole infinity bigger and they keep going on to infinity. There's an infinite level. Like, it's wild. It's so cool to think about. And you start to get into, like, fractals and stuff. And, and, and um, that's all part of set theory as well. Um, but anyway, that's the mathematical set theory that I thought you were referring to. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably just did it awkwardly, but that was the set theory I was referring to. Oh, but anyway. Well, you were talking about the like, um, as opposed to forms. So I think they're. I think it's just. They're definitely. I think like. These guys were thinks. You're a pure soul. But you didn't say God bless you when I sneaked. Loki. 
You're getting off light. Loki! I know, I'm coming. You're so lucky. I think if a philosopher and a mathematician started, like, describing their versions of set theory, they'd probably be like, because I guess I'm sort of a little bit of both uh, in the minor leagues, uh, like it, yeah, I get, like, I can see the parallels, the correlation between them, uh, but they're definitely two different, like, things, um, intellectual entities, uh, the, the, the set theory, but, but I, yeah, they're certainly related, um, but I think, you know, the point here is, like, what, what makes a teapot a teapot, what makes a table a table, if I tell you to, like, define what a table is, that's really hard, because they come in all sorts of different, like, shapes and stuff. Does a table have to have four legs? No. Uh, does a table have to have a flat surface? Not really. I mean, <laughs> it probably should at some point, or <laughs> it's not a very good table. But, like, what is it that makes a table a table and not something else? And this has been Talking About Ridiculously Nerdy Stuff. For too long. And what does that tell us about truth? Like, <laughs> um, like how well does does a table correspond to its tableness? <laughs> like, what does that tell us about the greater concept of, of table? Which is, oh, yeah, <laughs> what we're what we're here for today. Right, right. right. Um, so. So the real the real question is Andy Andy and moreover do we want him to be? Yeah. Think about it. Well, like how coherent is your system of truth if you don't believe that you are you? <laughs> and uh, I'm back to why bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Point... I mean again, like the way uh, if I had to like boil down my approach to to, to truthiness um there are some things that it is unreasonable and unproductive for me to 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 uh entertain the doubt about right like i know in my head that i might not be like real i might just be in a simulation but if I hmm. lived based on that, like it would, right. it would probably have negative impacts, right? So you can't. How very really pragmatic work. of you. Well, so I mean, kind of. Um, to a certain extent, like I have to go about my life assuming that, or, or yeah, assuming I guess that certain things that have been pretty, that have been consistent are going to continue to be consistent. And that's not an unreasonable assumption to make. But also, on that day, when suddenly gravity just decides to be different, I'm going to be the guy going, I told you you shouldn't have been just assuming. No, you're going to be like... I'm going to be like, whoa! Wait, wait, wait. 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 You're going to be like... I'm the guy who told you because you'll, you'll fly out. Well, so I would love to talk about <laughs> How do you know gravity wouldn't be stronger? So singularities <laughs> are um, places in the universe where we're not really sure if the basic 
fundamental laws of physics still apply anymore because we have no information about. So one example would be uh, pre-Big Bang. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And another that would be an Center example... Center of a black hole? Exactly. Uh, past, yeah. past oh. the event horizon of black holes. The center of so, a black hole. Sorry. Well, so there might be good hole. reason... There might be good reason to doubt that the basic truths of, like, gravity always, like, attracts two objects together, or um, electrons always form a perfect valence shell, if they can, around a nucleus. Like, there, there might be reasons to think that, like, the strong or weak electromagnetic force um, don't apply anymore, um, or at least to doubt that they apply anymore in singularities, which is really wild. Uh, we could imagine there are, like, other universes or, like, greater contexts, like, outside of the Big Bang where these rules got fudged where where maybe the strong and weak electromagnetic force got uh switched or where gravity repels instead of attracts um they're fun to think about we can't really go test these things i mean right but at the same not with that <laughs> i mean i think that it's this is one of those sorts of topics that like these, this is the reason why I, I take the position I do because yeah it seems it seems to be generally true in everything that we've observed about our our universe our galaxy uh, these certain things hold true but th there's <laughs> there's no real reason to assume that that is the case everywhere and has always been and will always be hmm. why not have you know why wouldn't there be you know in some uh, like a different universe or in a different maybe a different galaxy where the fabric of space-time is stretched a little bit differently and that gravity constant is a little bit different why not it seems i mean like i don't i'm just i know just enough about physics and don't know such a broad amount about physics where that, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to me anyway we can maybe get neil degrasse tyson in here to confirm or deny that uh but but as far as i know like why i'm not gonna just uh i would head into those places based on what we've experienced like if i was jumping on a penis-shaped rocket and taking it to a different galaxy Hey, don't take my precious moment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. But. <laughs> but there's also reason to believe that if, like, the four fundamental forces are different in another universe, that you would probably turn into a bunch of mush. Quite or, probably. Or, some, or, or something <laughs> equivalent. Like, as soon as you showed up, because the laws of physics that you were built with are not the laws of physics there. Yeah. Um, which would be pretty bad for a stable biological organism. That would be a, a big bummer, so I'm going to be hoping that they remain constant. <laughs> right. This brings us back to my philosophical concept. Why bother? I just, like... 
So one of the other things that like all of this, com- you know, these these thoughts about what is what is true and, uh, you know, what is like a universal truth and what is a, a general truth and what is you know, and so on and so forth. I think it also um, and, and thinking about how uh, gravity constants might be different in a different galaxy or something, for all we know, it makes me reflect a lot about kind of the absurdity of our day-to-day life that we live through um in a in like an existentialist kind of way a Camus way um and I just just recently um reread uh the myth of Sisyphus and it's a fascinating book and he talks a lot about this sort of stuff where like we just do these things because we we assume things to be true um and it's funny because he doesn't actually say we shouldn't. What he says is we should that we shouldn't do those things. What he what he kind of comes around to say is, um, yeah, everything that we do in our day to day life is absolutely bonkers. It's weird as shit. and you have to notice that, but you also kind of just have to work within it to a certain extent. And so you just do, this is what he says, um, the myth of Sisyphus, and, uh, for, every, for anyone who doesn't know, Sisyphus um, is uh, this person, a Greek myth, he um, he like captured death, uh, Hades at one point, not Hades, yeah, Hades at one point, and locked him in a closet, uh, and all the, and no one could die for a long time. Oh, it's okay, death, you just worry about feeling better. Lois, what the hell are you doing? Peter, don't you see? As long as he's here, you can't die. Go on. That's it. Wait a minute, so no matter what I do, I won't die? Hey, uh, make yourself at home, Death. I'm, uh, I'm going out for a little while. Hey, wait, wait. You can't tell anyone I'm here. For if humanity discovers I'm no longer lurking in the shadows, the consequences will be dire. Go on. That's it. What the hell do you see in him? And the gods got pissed, and they uh, they figured it out and released Hades, and they punished Sisyphus to roll a boulder up a hill in in hell or the afterlife for all eternity. While while an eagle eats his guts every no, day. No, that's um that's actually that's Prometheus. Um, he stole fire from the gods for the humans, and they punished him to have his guts eaten by a vulture every day. Or oh, an eagle rough. or something like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's tough shakes. Well, you know, they uh, tough times. Um, but anyway, so Sisyphus <laughs> is, um, he's punished to, he has to roll this boulder up a hill every day. And as, as soon as he gets to the top, the boulder rolls back down to the bottom of the hill. And he has to go back down and start it over again. So the whole story Camus tells, uh, Albert Camus, in the myth of Sisyphus, what he's talking about is how... You can't, he can't not roll the boulder up the hill. He's been sentenced to that by the gods. There's nothing he can do about it. He has has no control over that, really. Um, But what he can do is roll the boulder up the hill out of spite rather than out of uh, subservience. (laughs) And basically, like, I don't know, like, roll it up with his middle fingers or something. I'm not really entirely sure what that looks like but that's why Camus at the end of the the story at the end of the book says one must imagine Sisyphus happy because 
you. I'm living my life, man. I'm just going to do right. what works for me. And I understand that I'm living in a rigged system and that it's all absolutely bullshit. But fuck you. I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to, you right. know. You can, you can control, maybe you can control what I do or where mm-hmm. I am. But you can't control how I choose to interpret it. You can't choose, like, how I'm going to react yeah. to it. And I'm going to, like, take whatever little bit of freedom I can and scrape it with my nails. Mm-hmm. And you can't choose what my precious moments are. Precious moments. <laughs> sure. Yes. Got him. That is, that's, that'll work. Yes. All right. So I have... Uh, a pretty good one this week. So there's a streamer that I like, Rubber Ross, and he's decided to take it upon himself to eat 138,000 Egg. Egg. eggs in Final Egg. Fantasy XIV. Um, he has <laughs> absolutely no Egg. reason to do this, but uh, a couple of times before he's eaten like Egg. 2,020 eggs Egg. and he actually got covered on Egg. like gaming news sites Egg. for this feat of Egg. sitting there in game and Egg. just noshing down Egg. massive numbers of eggs Egg. so he's decided to eat 138,000 or whichever Egg. comes first uh, stream for Egg. four days straight he's Egg. on uh, day two now Egg. um so he's just egg. hanging out um like pressing egg. the eat egg key egg. over and over again and while egg. he sleeps he has a voice command egg. where he's set his voice on loop egg. to say egg repeatedly egg. um which the egg. voice command also uh he's programmed egg. to have his character eat egg. an egg um it's egg. completely absurd why egg is he doing this? Why are any egg. of us here? Um, the answer egg. is egg. <laughs> egg. And it's um, delightful. And it's going to be egg. too late to check it out uh, when uh, this episode comes egg. out. But you can check out the VOD egg. of like egg. four days straight of him egg. eating eggs. Um, so check egg. out Rubber Ross. But egg. don't fast forward it or egg. skip around. Eat it. You need to watch egg. that stream straight egg. through yeah well i'm certainly not doing that egg. so egg 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 <laughs> while he sleeps it egg. says egg <laughs> he egg. had a really hard time sleeping the poor guy egg. <laughs> i told him get noise canceling headphones at least egg i don't even really like eggs that much egg. i mean they're fine but like egg i've i've i gotta have talked about this right on the pod so since cool I got hand Luke. the the well no uh, uh but with the COVID that I very much got last Thanksgiving uh one of the fun side effects that popped in like afterwards is that um yeah it's kind of gross but my farts smell different uh than they did before I got COVID huh. and. The other fun thing is that uh, eggs and onions also smell like my farts now. Hmm. Wild. So so you and... permanently think that eggs and onions smell like fart now? You're 
old I fart or your new God, fart? My okay. new fart. So it's hard for me to eat eggs and onions. I can still like cook with them. It hasn't affected my my actual taste. But like how much of your taste is like mixed up in how you smell yeah. things. I feel like that way about it. turkey. Like you ever mm. you ever just smell turkey? It smells like fart. Anyway. <laughs> So um, the other fun thing that I actually kind of like, and I'm going to like, I hope to, I hope, hope, hope that this is not permanent and my, my taste buds go back to normal or, uh, or sorry, uh, that it goes back to normal and like my smell uh, goes back to the way it was before. But the other thing that happened with my taste was that um, any sort of bell pepper now has this smoky mesquite flavor to it weird yeah yeah it's strange but i kind of like it like yeah they taste kind of good permanent life changes from covid in that peppers have a mesquite flavor that's wild oh well that's the thing like getting rid of every like onions and uh eggs smelling like farts that's like an inherent good but like i actually kind of like smoky peppers now and i'm afraid like it's just going to go away one day. I'm never going to be able to get it. I'm I'm going to be trying to smoke like fresh raw peppers in a smoker out back and it's just not going to work. Chasing that high. Right, exactly. <laughs> Andy, you got anything? Yeah. Um You should probably go first if yours is what you're what you suggested it was. I am not going to do the thing that I suggested earlier. Oh, okay. Well, um, my precious moment, I have a, a bit from, uh, so this whole conversation about, uh, truth and stuff, uh, takes me back to a book that I read in, uh, high school and college that just was a fantastic, excellent, excellent book. I haven't read it in a long time though. Um, it's called The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. That's a heavy motherfucking book. It's it's um it's a pretty yeah I mean it's it's not a bathroom reader really but like it's it also reads easily. It's it's definitely a pretty adult book. It deals with adult themes, uh, war, and, but also truth. And uh, I just wanted to I guess read a little bit from it by way of um so just a couple quick quotes so i want you to feel what i felt i want you to know why story truth is truer sometimes than happening truth here is the happening truth i was once a soldier there were many bodies real bodies with real faces but i was young then and i was afraid to look and now, 20 years later, I'm left with faceless responsibility and faceless grief. Here is the story truth. He was a slim, dead, almost dainty young man of about 20. He lay in the center of a red clay trail near the village of Maiki. His jaw was in his throat. His one eye was shut, the other eye was a star-shaped hole. I killed him. What stories can do, I guess, is make things present. I can look at things I never looked at. I can attach faces to grief and love and pity and God. I can be brave. I can make myself feel again. 
Daddy, tell the truth, Kathleen can say. Did you ever kill anybody? And I can say honestly, of course not. Or I can say honestly, yes. Damn, Kathleen. Right. Um, so <laughs> stop asking questions. Right. Just back right. off. Um, <laughs> it really, really, really excellent book. And uh, I'm probably going to give it another read sometime soon after this conversation. Mini fat check. Andy told me to say that he tried to reread it after this conversation, but that some dogs he was taking care of ate his copy. I, however, suspect some sort of tomfoolery. We may never know. Mini fat check. Nice. Nice. It's a it's it's graphic. Like it's it's yeah. heavy. It's yeah. it, I mean it's like gory, I guess, in a in a book way. But I don't know if I call gore heavy necessarily. Um, I think that the book is thought provoking. I just don't find it. Maybe it's because I just, I dwell in the dreary in the first place, but it doesn't strike me as like particularly a downer book. Just a, I mean, I guess somber, serious, but you know, it's not a joking book, but I don't, I don't, I don't really personally think of it as much of a downer anyway. <laughs> Do you think of it as a precious moment? Apparently. You you Apparently. might like Hiroshima. Hiroshima! Okay, wait, no one gets that because that's a thing from college theater. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's a f***ed <laughs> up thing from college theater. Uh, it was a game that we played. It, it, it doesn't... So let me, let me talk about two things I'm not going to talk about real quick. Uh, I'm not going to talk about... Uh, Jeff going into space on a rocket that looks really exactly like the dick. Yeah. Take a look out of starboard. Oh my god, it looks like a huge pecker. Oh, where? Wait, that's not a word pecker. It looks like someone's private. We have reports of an unidentified flying object. It is a long, smooth shaft, complete with two balls. What is that? That looks just like an enormous wing. Pay attention. I was distracted by that enormous flying... Willie. Yeah. What's that? Well, it looks like a giant... Dick rocket uh, from the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> uh, I'm also not going to talk about how Disney Plus reportedly wants to reboot Joss Whedon's Firefly. I heard that. That's not... It, it's not something... I don't think it's something to be excited about. <laughs> like, let's... Let's take this perfect thing and, like, wreck it. Although, I will say, they've done a pretty good job about about storytelling in the past, yeah. and if they got Joss Whedon back... Disney has, has done a great job with, uh, with taking over things. They... Honestly, Disney makes really sure. good movies. They do it unethically, but they make really good... They have good products. <laughs> like, they... The, um... They took over Star Wars, and... The, the three movies were not super well received by the nerds, but they were never going to be anyway. Um, but I thought that they were like good movies and a good end to the fran to the to the Skywalker saga. But look at what they did. You know, they were they were fine. They were a lot better than they could have been. Look at what they did with the Mandalorian series. Um, and they're sure. expanding and think... Star Wars more there, you know, like they're good at making these think... movies and shows. I yeah. Look we're, at we're definitely not, look at the Marvel we're not shows. Agree on the... Those Marvel shows are fantastic too. 
Sure. We're not going to agree on the new Star Wars series, I don't think. But I think, yes, they, they've definitely shown that they're competent and that they pick good people to, like, take these things over. And they have more money than God, so they can just throw whatever they want at whatever projects they want. Mm-hmm. Um, not more money than Jeff Bezos, though. Um, but we're not talking about him either. Let me tell you, uh, the people I want to talk about are the Norwegian women's beach handball mm. team. Okay. Uh, have you guys heard about them yeah. yet? No. What's up? So, Apparently uh, they weren't sexy enough. <laughs> so there is a rule um, with uh, the, <laughs> I think it was Beach Euro 2021. Anyway, uh, the Norwegian team, uh, there's a picture that I'll include in the doobly-doo of the men's team next to the women's team. And the men's team wear these, uh, uh, these like, uh, tank tops and shorts and then the women's team are required required to wear bikinis while they play and so uh the norwegian women's (laughs) sorry the norwegian women's beach handball team decided that they weren't going to wear bikini bottoms and decided to wear shorts instead and each of them were fined uh, 150 euros a piece that's about 177 us dollars and I think it was a bargain at twice the price. Yeah, that's not um, that because, big of a fine, really. Right. And so it's, it sort of has pointed out to the world that there's this sexist double standard uh, in sports. And it exists certainly in, uh, in volleyball. Like, basically all these beach sports where, like, women, if they want to compete, uh, if they want to be competitive in it, they have to wear these like skimpy outfits, which are ridiculous. I think you're so, absolutely right. We should stick the men's teams into banana hammocks as well. No, no problem with that. So does sound uh, pretty hot. I I, <laughs> I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was a great uh, simple way to stand up uh, for uh, this equality thing, and um, I'm a big fan. So I'll include pictures in the Jubilee Doom. But uh, the other thing I'm going to do is definitely by next week, I am going to come up with a catchphrase. I hope we, uh, we gave you something to think about and not be sure about this week. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that, Nathan. All right, love you. Bye. <laughs> bye. bye. love that episode and we would love your honest feedback on the episode either social media or email and your honest endorsement of what we've been doing here whether that is uh sharing us with a friend of yours who would really enjoy the show or a financial contribution if that's in your means to help grow the show or just some good likes shares or itunes reviews all of that helps stay cool Back with Andy, Nathan, and the fish. <laughs> why on one hundred six point three? Why are you? Why are you the only one that gets a nickname? I don't know. Well, why is your nickname so shitty? <laughs> <laughs>